Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord God, or the Spirit of Jehovah Adonai, is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Look at this unique statement in verse 2 again. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. The day of vengeance and comforting those who are mourning doesn't seem like they belong together, does it? But if you look at the ministry of Jesus, every act of kindness was an act of war. Every miracle, every healing, every feat of provision, every act of comforting those who were sad was also an act of war. From the standpoint of the needy person, it may not have appeared to be war. From the standpoint of the enemy, it was a day of vengeance. Someone had come along and began to cast out the deaf and dumb spirits and the lying spirits and deliver people of all kinds of spiritual problems that the enemy had put upon them, either through their own sin or through who, who knows what opens the door to the enemy to get a foothold in people's lives. But the bottom line is Jesus came as a Savior and as a Lamb, but also as a lion and as a warrior. He came to bring the kingdom of God to man. And so wherever he went, he preached, the kingdom of God is near you. The kingdom of God is at hand. That was bad news to the enemy and good news to humanity. The Allied forces in World War II was bad news to Hitler's army, but good news to the Jews, to France, to, to the Germans. It's good news. Freedom had come. An act of kindness was also an act of war. So you can see how the two things go hand in hand. Last Sunday we spoke on, we've been speaking on healing for several weeks. I'm not going to review the previous weeks, but last Sunday I will mention and we spoke on healing, looking through the lens of the writings of Luke. Luke having written the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And in Luke chapter 4, he records that Jesus went to his hometown in Nazareth, as his custom was, went into the synagogue and read this passage. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. When he was done reading, he sat down and said, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Well, they saw this guy grow up as a boy. They knew his brothers and sisters. They knew his, his earthly parents. And they just couldn't believe it, didn't receive it. And other gospels said that he only healed a few sick people. He could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. But just a few verses later, in another community, they recognize his authority. And healings happen. Deliverances happen. 
these acts of war begin to take place. And in chapter 7, a centurion recognizes his authority and his servant is healed. In Acts, in uh, Luke 8, Jairus, a ruler of a synagogue, recognizes his authority, falls down at his feet and asks him to come and heal his daughter. And by the end of the chapter, a wonderful thing has taken place. We see in Luke 5.15 that multitudes, and Luke 6.17, multitudes came to hear him and to be healed. So what I see in Luke is that his healing flows in its greatest measure where his authority is recognized. Where what he has to say is taken seriously, then comes the benefit of healing. In Luke 9, he authorizes the twelve to continue this ministry of healing broken-hearted people, bringing liberty to captives and setting free those who are bound. He authorized the twelve in Luke 9. He authorized 70 disciples in Luke chapter 10. He continued this purpose. This is his purpose statement. The Spirit of the Lord is upon him because he has anointed me. The name Christ means the anointed one. Christos. He was anointed. The word christen comes from anointing a child or anointing an object to devote it to the purposes of God. And so here Christ has been anointed proclaiming this prophecy from Isaiah 61 to preach good news to poor people, to heal broken-hearted people, to proclaim captive liberty to captive people. He did not forget this purpose all the days of His earthly ministry. Even at His arrest in Luke 22, verse 50 and 51, His disciples forgot the purpose. They saw their Master being arrested and they ran and hid. But one of them, before He ran, took a sword and cut one of the person's ears off that was there to arrest Jesus. Jesus, remembering He came to heal, put that ear back on. So it was restored like nothing had happened. We saw in the book of Acts that this purpose was continued through the ministry of the apostles and even through the ministry of Paul, who wasn't one of the apostles. Through the ministry of the church, amazing things happened in their ministry. One occasion, wherever Peter walked, sick people would gather around him and if his shadow would fall upon them, they would be healed. And they too proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom of God that Jesus said would be preached in all the world. Paul, at one point of his ministry, could pray over pieces of cloth and they would take them to people who couldn't come to his meetings and they would be healed and set free. They continued this purpose. And I believe it is a purpose of the church today in the 21st century to continue seeking to walk in this purpose that Jesus began, to continue His ministry. How many want to answer that call? Lord, use us to continue that ministry. Today, we've come to draw near to Him. We've come to return to Him if we've been away from Him. And we've come to lay our lives down before Him. And we've come to receive commissioning orders to go out and proclaim liberty to the captives, proclaim good news to poor folks, to heal broken-hearted people, and to open prisons for those who are bound. That could include from preaching in the county jail to the state prisons to the federal penitentiaries to your neighbor who's bound up by drugs. They need to hear the truth of the kingdom of God. 
I believe God's healing power from what we've seen flows in alignment with the purposes of God. And this is His purpose. So the greatest amount of healings through the ministry of the church is seen out on the cutting edge of evangelism. The greatest thing. God confirms His Word with signs following. In Mark 16, we saw that Jesus commissioned His disciples to go and make disciples. Preach the Gospel. Those who believe and are baptized will be saved. And these signs will follow those who believe. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And they went out preaching the Word of God everywhere. The Lord confirming His Word with signs following. So saints, we've got to stretch ourselves out of our comfort zone and look for some people that don't know about Jesus. Even if it means to go to another country and let the Lord confirm His Word with signs following. Got an email from our, from our daughter this week who we gave to the Lord a long time ago. She's a registered nurse and at this point in her life she's kind of laid that career down as far as a money-making venture and she's been involved in missions uh, all this year. And currently she's in Zimbabwe for several months. And uh, this is her latest update. She says, just to give you an update on the past couple of weeks, I traveled to Zambia, which is the country north of Zimbabwe, on August 4th with a group of ministers from Virginia. And we preached at a three-day conference in Lusaka. I don't know if we'll know this girl when she gets home, but apparently she's quite a preacher. We saw many people delivered from demonic strongholds and witchcraft. I also felt impressed to pray for a 10-year-old girl who did not speak English. The Lord told me to put my hands on her ears and pray. She began to jump up and down shortly after I started praying, and she had a huge smile on her face. The pastor came over and told me this girl had been deaf in one ear, and the girl was screaming in Bimba, their native language, I can hear! I can hear! God healed my deaf ear. I was so excited as I jumped up and down with her. We serve a miraculous God. We serve a miraculous God. The last several weeks we looked at avenues to healing, things that make us more likely to be healed. We looked at obstacles to healing, things that might hinder us from receiving healing. Not going to elaborate on that today. But we have seen that sometimes, I believe, condemning people who are not healed because something must be wrong and fishing through their whole life trying to find some fault only leads to condemning and it doesn't heal them. And so I think when we speak of obstacles or we speak of avenues to healing, we've got to use wisdom and never venture out into God's territory. Amen? But a very important question was asked, and we answer, attempted to answer it last week, and I want to just review that again this week. How can we minister wisdom to the sick who may not be aligned with an avenue to healing or who may have an obstacle in, the, in their life to being healed? How can we minister truth to the sick without making them feel condemned? Well, obviously, humility is the way to do anything. But I think if we are pursuing healing for the whole person, we're not going to condemn them. They're going to feel loved. They're going to feel cared for. Because being a Christian is more than being healthy, wealthy, and wise and doing things however we want to do them. Being a Christian is coming into alignment with the purposes of God for our life and Him making us whole in every area. He came to heal a broken heart. Maybe the person has a broken heart that needs to be ministered to. 
You minister to a broken heart, it can clear up all kinds of physical symptoms. Who knows that's true? It's true. Uh, over 80% or over 60-some percent of people in hospitals are there with psychosomatic illnesses. That doesn't mean they imagine they're sick, not because they're hypochondriacs, hypochondriacs. They're really sick, but it's related to other issues going on in their life. Could be worry, could be fear, could be some, some type of anxiety. So in ministering to somebody who isn't receiving and you're feeling impressed that there is some obstacle or some avenue that needs to open up, pursue healing for the whole person. You're not just looking for a way for the headache to leave. You're looking for a way for your brother or your sister to rise up to their fullest potential and any obstacle in their way having to bow to the knee of Jesus, the feet of Jesus. Or you could ask questions like, are there any other areas that you would like to receive ministry? Are there any other areas of your life where you need wholeness, freedom, strength, joy? What else is going on that we can pray with you about? And I think pursuing wholeness for the person will reduce the possibility of them feeling like we're condemning them. Um, one brother in our midst that has really walked through a trial uh, got so depressed he found it easier to stay in his room and sleep. And when he hit rock bottom, he was sleeping over 20 hours a day for almost two years, I think. And uh, David is, a, is the son of a man who pastored in this town years ago, so a lot of pastors here know him. And... Uh, on more than one occasion, preachers would go see him and attempt to get him up, rise up and walk, brother. <laughs> that kind of approach. And uh, he, just from where he was at, he couldn't do it. And some of those guys may have come close to condemning you. I don't know. But he just, just wasn't there. And the Lord, in his own way, began to bring David out of it. And uh, David's been worshiping with us for going on a year now. Precious family is here. Anyway, so the Lord's making David whole in that area of his life. And the other day, something physical cleared up. Come, come, come down here and tell us about it. Something he wasn't pursuing healing for. He just kind of accepted it. That cleared up. Tell us about it, brother. It's been a long, long battle. Uh, something I never expected to come up on me with all this uh, the depression and the things, anxiety and the fear. Uh, I'm telling my wife that if, if I leave this house, it's going to be on a stretcher or I'm going to just have to carry me out, you know, because I'm not leaving it. I don't want to be out of my room. I don't want to be out of my house. They call it agoraphobia or whatever. But I couldn't even face any kind of reality or the world or anything else, I, I just was trapped. Nobody, and I don't expect anybody to understand that because it's very, very, very difficult. I mean, I had to have help to even go to the bathroom to, to make it to the, the restroom. You know. But God began to heal me, and, and sometimes it would take, you know, like a couple hours of house a day, and then a half a day, and, you know, and then it's just been a, a long, lengthy battle. 
Well, Pastor Allen came to see me beside all these other pastors. And there's a difference when you come and, and when you come with an agenda to say, hey, I'm going to get this guy out of his house and I'm going to make sure that, you know, I can, I know I can fix him if I can just get him in my church. <laughs> well, that's not always true. Um, it's a nice story, but, um, but we have a loving pastor and a very understanding pastor, and, and he may not have understood what was going on, but he came in with such love and sat down in my house and, and didn't try to give me scriptures that I already knew. He didn't try to say, you know, you just need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get back out there. He said, I just want to get that out of your brain. <laughs> I don't know how I loved it. I was like, man, I just, I mean, it just, that has stayed with me ever since then. And that's because it has stayed so deep inside of me. It meant more to me than any of the other people that come by and try to minister to me. Even my own mom couldn't even understand. She didn't even know what to say to me, you know. But a couple of weeks ago, I was, you know, I've been pursuing God now for, for quite some time. I would like to pursue you through the the mess up, and I guess I've, I've tried in my own way or as much as possible, but I was consumed with fear, and, and that's not perfect love. And I guess I just didn't have a perfect love of God in my life right then. I, I put it aside, I guess. <laughs> but fear brings torment, and I was tormented day and night, every day of my life, and I never seen a way out. But now that I'm seeking God and putting first again in my life, and, I, and nothing else matters in my life anymore but His will. I didn't even know I'd gotten healed the other day. I, I've just been, every day's been a step further, step further, step further, and it's been a healing process. But the other day, I, I woke up Monday morning two weeks ago, and I picked up my guitar, and I thought, I'll play those before I get, you know, kind of get my hands going and things and stuff. I strummed across it, and I thought, man, it's loud. You know what? I don't even, I've never heard the same so loud. And I thought, oh, I didn't play it any different than I usually do. And I strummed it again. Man, this is really weird. And so I got to, I got to listen to the loud. Everything in the house was loud. And everything that I heard, everything, I was like, turn the TV down. Uh, the kids got to be quiet because this is, this is really loud. <laughs> I mean, I've never heard it that loud. I mean, I've heard it pretty loud. This is really bad. This is so was something something wrong with your ears before this? Oh, yeah. Well, the thing that was wrong with my ears, and the doctor had already told me, he said, you've done so much damage to your ears through the years that there's no, there's no fixing on that. They're, they're just pretty much messed up, and you're going to have to live with it. And I was looking into hearing aids and things like that. I, if I heard you, I had to kind of lean in and uh, try to hear you or... Read your lips at the same time, maybe, uh, so I could really understand what you were saying. It had gotten so bad, and it just seemed like it got worse and worse all the time. So I was looking into hearing aids and things. And this is really tough. Too. <laughs> <laughs> but, but God, I don't know when or how, um, but sometime between Sunday and Monday, God healed me of my hearing. And now I can hear everything. I turn the phone down or hold it out work in my ear. It's so loud. I, I haven't been able to hear like that in years. And I've always been around industrial stuff, you know, and, and didn't protect my ears like I should have probably. But thank God that He has mercy on us in every area of our life. And 
I've just been so happy and rejoicing ever since because I wasn't even expecting it. I had somebody praying for my knees, you know, I been having problems with my knees. I wasn't expecting it. I hear it. It's just top of my talk about the notes are in your bulletin about the epistles, Jesus healing ministry, this continuation of Isaiah 61 in the letters of the apostles. The epistles are the letters that the apostles wrote to the early churches. An epistle is not the wife of an apostle. It's a Greek word for letter. In the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, which was also written by Luke, we can see the healing ministry of Jesus as he is blessing individuals with restored health and wholeness. But in the epistles or the letters, we, be, we see the ministry of healing take on a more corporate benefit for the health of his body, the church. Who knows there's such thing as unhealthy relationships? God wants to heal those too. And so when I read about healing in the epistles, I see relationships being very much a part of the picture of healing take place. Uh, those of you that may not have been here last Sunday or, or were, were not here for the end of the service, but we heard a testimony of Nolan and Cassandra Riegers. They've been occasional attenders now for the last several months. And Nolan, about a month ago, was hit with something very seriously wrong with his lungs. They thought it was cancer. Wasn't sure when it was. Turned out it was, it was pneumonia with uh, serious abscesses in one side of his lungs. And so he almost died and was fighting for his life for several days in intensive care here and in the Fort Worth Hospital. And uh, praise God, he was here to testify 
last Sunday of his healing, and they're giving all glory to God. But during that process, God healed the relationship with their children, with their children's spouses, with extended family, the in-laws and the outlaws. <laughs> Got things right between them. I don't know about you, but that, that smells like Jesus to me, doesn't it to you? You know, many times when somebody's dying, people get serious about what life is about and they'll make things right so that the person who's about to die can rest in peace knowing that all the reconciliation that needed to, needed to take place took place. And that's very important. But I love it when it happens and somebody's raised up from that bed of death. So let's don't wait till somebody's about to die to get things right in our relationships. Number one, healing may be lacking whenever the Lord's body is not being discerned. 1 Corinthians 11.23 says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which He was betrayed, He's talking about communion, which we're going to celebrate here at the end, He took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, therefore whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself or herself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who, he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Remember that phrase. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Serious passage. Sometimes reading this causes people who know they're not perfect to refrain from taking communion. Because as they read it, they interpret it that the communion elements become poison if everything in your life isn't perfect. It's not that the elements become poison. It's that the benefit that Jesus provided through His broken body and shed blood is not experienced the way He would like for them to experience it because they're not discerning His body. So in communion, it's a time to examine ourselves. Do we discern one another do we perceive one another clearly as members of the body of Christ? That brother you may not care for, Jesus loves him just as much as he loves you. That sister that you may find annoying, Jesus died for her just like he died for you. And so we must love one another and esteem one another highly. And so communion is an opportunity to search our hearts 
and make sure we're discerning the Lord's body. The word discern means to perceive clearly, to be able to distinguish. And I see these, this, these verses as an exhortation to us as individuals, but also to us corporately. Could it be that healing will not flow in a church that's not an atmosphere of love? So my brother or sister who needs to be healed isn't receiving. There's some blockage. Not in their life, but in the life of the church. Could be. And of course, obviously, the same would apply individual. If you're walking in division, talking bad, slandering your brother, or gossiping about your sister, or on the telephone, getting into matters that are outside your sphere of authority, could rob you of blessings. So it's not that God is putting sickness on somebody or weakness on somebody. It's just that His blessing is withheld so that we will learn to not unappreciate our brothers and sisters. You see that? So healing could be lacking whenever the Lord's body is not being discerned. So you see how it's taken on a more corporate nature to it? You see that? That as our relationships are healed... Our bodies are healed. You see that? Now, in the Gospels, you see individuals healed. But if you listen to His preaching, remember they came to hear and be healed. If you listen to His preaching, most of Christ's commands, if adhered to, will heal relationships. Agree with your adversary quickly. Don't take revengeance. Revenge. Uh, don't judge. Give. Forgive. Blessed are the merciful. I mean, his teachings all is all about healing relationships. We also saw in Matthew 5, he began fulfilling before the cross, he began fulfilling Isaiah 53 4 that says, He bore our sicknesses, and carried our infirmities. Oh, I thought He did that on the cross. Matthew 5 said He was doing it then. On the cross, He carried my sin. What is sin? Sin is something that separates me from God and from my fellow man. I steal. It enters my prayer life. And it brings problems into another person's life. I lie, I, you know, whatever I do to violate the commands of God separates me from Him and my fellow man. You know what the worst thing is about in, being in jail? It's not the bars and it's not the guards. It's being in there with all those vile sinners that you would stay away from because sin is too painful to be around. And of course, they're all innocent. But if they were, why would they be so stinking hard to be around? So, Christ bore our sin on the cross so that our sin could be forgiven, so that our relationships could be healed. His body was broken so that His body could be healed. He became separated from God, if not but for a moment. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
which is what sin does. It separates us from God so that we could be reunited to God. And the closer we get to God, the closer we get to one another. If this was God, it's just a symbol, the communion table, the, and we all came closer to this table, the closer we got to this table, the closer we would be to one another. So, healing through the cross is all about healing relationships. Healing of broken bodies, sicknesses, is something Jesus came to do. He anointed... He was anointed to do and He anointed His disciples to do. As far as I'm concerned, that anointing never stopped flowing. Let's not forget about seeing the restoration of the church into the fullness that Jesus called it to be. As each member of the body does its part, the Bible says we rise up to the full stature of Christ. Number two, there's another aspect of healing that I see having a corporate thing about it. The church is blessed with spiritual gifts. For example, gifts of healings as the Spirit wills. 1 Corinthians 12.1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Verse 4 says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is, e is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. So healing, gifts, plural, gifts of healings, plural, plural gifts, plural healings, is given to the body of Christ. And the individuals in that body flow in these gifts as the Spirit wills. So just because you want to have the gift of miracles doesn't mean you're going to go out and perform one. The Spirit has to be willing to do it and leading you to do it. Number three, all of us as members of the body of Christ do not have the same spiritual gifts. This is so true. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles. Then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? The implied answer is no. Are all prophets? The implied answer is no. Are all teachers? The implied answer is no. Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret it? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. So what I'm seeing is two things. These gifts operate as the Spirit wills, and He also gives them to whom He wills. I'm not an apostle. I'm not a prophet. But I am what I am. 
And as the Spirit wills, He uses me in the way He wants to use me. And the same goes for all of us. So healing becomes part of the picture of the corporate body of Christ. We continue the ministry of Jesus, which includes healing, as we function in our places in the body as the Spirit wills to, for His gifts to flow through us. All right, number four. With all their benefits, spiritual gifts will not bring us into perfection. The more excellent way he was referring to there at the end of chapter 12 is the way of love. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter talks about the benefits of love. Verse 8 of 1 Corinthians 13 says, Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. Who knows we're not in heaven yet. We're not there. Perfection hasn't come. For all its perfection, the Bible is a wonderful book, perfect in every way. Our website has our statement of faith in it. We believe it is the God-breathed, God-inspired, very Word of God. <laughs> that there would be no doubt what we believe is the church. We said it three different ways in the same sentence. And yet it foretells of a day of perfection coming. It predicts wonderful things coming. Heaven. No more tears. No more sorrow. No more suffering. No more poverty. No more lack. No more discouragement. No more death. No more sighing. There won't even be a reason to sigh there according to what this wonderful book tells us about. Some have interpreted this verse in 1 Corinthians 13.8 to say that when the Bible came along, prophecy no longer was necessary. Tongues would cease. But for some reason, they leave off emphasizing that knowledge will vanish away. Because if the Bible did away with prophecy and did away with tongues, then it does away with knowledge and none of us have enough sense to get in out of the rain. What I think Paul is implying here is spiritual gifts, as wonderful as they are, they're not heaven. They're pieces of the pie, but we don't have the whole pie yet. Thank God the pie is coming. And thank God for the pieces of the pie we have. You know, we don't want to be like a spoiled child. Well, if I can't get the whole pie, I don't want any of it. No, thank God for what He blesses us with. Who's grateful for what He gives us? Thank you, Lord. So if all the prayers prayed that I want answered aren't answered, thank God for the ones that are. Now, I have to be honest. I've got to tell you what the book says. And what I'm about to say is not popular in churches like ours. But who wants the whole truth? Nothing but the truth. Alright. Number five. Even the Apostle Paul experienced someone not being healed in his ministry. I think sometimes we've glorified the early church so much that we've turned it into heaven and painted a picture that everything was perfect. Therefore, we need to be, you know, everything needs to be perfect in our life. Paul died in prison, by the way. Oh, he didn't understand his authority. Well, brother, 
the, some of those scriptures you got on authority came right out of his writings. I think he understood. Anyway, number five. Even the Apostle Paul experienced someone not being healed in his ministry. Look at this. 2 Timothy 4.19. Greet Prissa and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth, but Trophimus I left in Miletus sick. Paul, what's the deal? Why didn't you pray over one of those handkerchiefs and put it on him? <laughs> Paul, if you can't see everybody healing your ministry, you're just useless. No. He's the guy who wrote 1 Corinthians 13.8. Number six, Paul also did not see everyone immediately healed. He saw some people healed that weren't healed immediately. Look at this. Philippians 2.25. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick, for indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon on sorrow. Therefore I send him the more eagerly, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in high esteem, in esteem. Because for the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. So maybe this guy got sick from working so hard, and he just needed to rest. But Paul didn't just command him to rise up and walk, and then condemn him when it didn't happen. But eventually the guy was healed. Well, I think I'm going to tear that out of, my, out of my Bible. Well, go ahead, but where are you going to start? Where are you going to stop? It's the truth of the Word of God. All right. Number seven. The Hebrews writer wrote about healing relationships between people. Look at this use of the word healing. Hebrews 12.12 12 says, Strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. What he's saying here is strengthen people that are weak so that they don't get disconnected from the body but so that they can be healed. And then he goes on to tell us to pursue peace with everybody. And be sure you don't get a root of bitterness in your heart. Because if your unforgiveness turns into bitterness, it will defile everybody around you. And eventually the body will have to allow you to be away from it, lest you spread that infection. So that root of bitterness is something that needs to be healed. Amen? God wants to heal it. Number eight, Jesus' brother James gave congregational instructions for the healing ministry. Look at this. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Let him pray. You know, some people are separated from the body of Christ. They're out there floating around in church hopper land. They want a prayer partner so that they can just drain the life out of you. Meanwhile, the body of Christ with all of its individual members has what they need. So, 
If somebody has drawn you into that kind of relationship, get them plugged into the body. Otherwise, they will drain you. Because if you're suffering, and sometimes that suffering is because of your separation from the body, you need to pray. And as you pray, God will say, hey, go back to my house. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, that is the leaders, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. We saw in the book of John, Jesus healed the man at the pool of Bethesda. And after he healed him, he said, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. That guy was sick for years and it started with some kind of sin that he had committed. And here in this case, we have the promise. Elders of the church anointing with oil, praying, the prayer of faith saving the sick, the Lord raising them up. And if there is any sin involved, they can be forgiven. Verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. This is definitely corporate healing. Because if I've been sinning against you, I need to go to you and ask for your forgiveness. Do I not? If I'm not walking in harmony with you because I've been slandering you and you know about it, 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 there's something wrong there. I need to go to you, confess that so I can be healed so that our prayers can be answered. You see that picture? Husbands and wives, healing will not come to your marriage if you don't confess your trespasses to one another. Oh, I'll confess her to her or him to him. No, confess your own. Where have you erred? And then pray so that healing can come. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man. The word righteous means to have right relationship. It means to be just. Avails much. Or is made effective. The word therefore avails much is energeo. We get the word energy. Energy comes in two forms we learned in basic science. What are the two forms of energy? Potential and kinetic. If this is a display of energy, then this is potential energy. It's potential. Not kinetic till I release it. The power of God in our lives is potential. But it will not become kinetic unless certain conditions are met. And one is this confessing of our trespasses to one another. There's something about becoming accountable that releases power as well. Maybe it's a secret sin that you've, yet you're fighting and you can't get over it. You've gone to the Lord and received forgiveness, but you've not yet been fully delivered or healed because you keep falling back into it. Who knows about that kind of sin? First John 1 9 says, you know, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But sometimes that cleansing from unrighteousness does not fully come till we apply James 5.16. Confess your trespasses to another person and receive prayer so that you can be healed. 
delivered, set free, made whole. I'll just have an open confession here with you guys. I haven't really trusted the body of Christ like I think the body of Christ needs to be trusted. And if I don't trust, as pastor, you probably don't trust. This verse doesn't say, confess your trespasses to the person you are absolutely sure you can trust. It just says, confess your trespasses to one another. Hey, brother, i got a problem. I need some help. And if that brother's honest with you, he'll, he'll do the same and pray for each other. There's power released in that. The energy of God will become kinetic. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, I know we've been declared righteous by Jesus. He's imputed us with His righteousness. We, we have received the full gift of righteousness. And there's value in claiming that, declaring that, receiving that. But also, there's value in walking in light of that. If I have been made the righteousness of God, then I must have a life that reflects that. My relationship with God has been made right. My relationship with you must be made right. And so, that kind of person has prayers that are more likely to be answered. So do you see how healing has a corporate involvement here? Well, it would be real easy just to you know, get a little oil on your head and go on and live life your merry way. But God's power flows with God's agenda. He is all about two things. Building a body and expanding His kingdom. So it's through evangelism that healing flows greatest and it's through unity, right relationships in the body that healing flows greatest. Because the body must be made whole. A couple of weeks from now, we're going to talk about healing of marriages. May the Lord prepare our hearts for that Sunday on September the 11th. You're going to preach on marriage on September 11th? That's Patriot Day. That's the day we remember when they bombed the towers. You need to preach a patriotic sermon. Healing marriages is about as patriotic as you can get. Because if all of our marriages fall apart, our country is down the tubes. The Muslims will take over. Because our children will be useless as soldiers and, and our descendants will convert to some weird religion because we're not walking in the fullness of the religion that God has given us, Christianity. Headlines of the Fort Worth paper a month or so ago noted that we are winning the war in Iraq, but losing it at home. There is an 80% divorce rate amongst the Iraqi forces, uh, the American forces in Iraq, coming out of Fort Hood. Those young recruits, some of them are probably getting married because their buddies are getting married. But needless to say, there's a real crisis. They're trying to keep their minds on what's happening at home while at the same time on their minds on what's happening in front of them because their lives are being endangered for, for the purpose of freedom and for the blessing of that country and, and uh, drawing the infection of anti-Americanism over there away from, our sh away from our shores. And meanwhile at home, they're losing the war of keeping a good marriage. So I think September 11th is a good day for ministering on the healing of marriages. So you don't want to miss it. 
Number nine, Peter gave Christ's example for living when he mentions healing by his stripes. 1 Peter 2.21 says, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Verse 22, Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in turn. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. So he did his part to walk in peace with all men, did he not? Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Why was he striped? For our sins. Why was he wounded? For our sins. What does sin do? It separates us from one another. But through his wounding, through his being separated from the Father, through his bruising, our iniquities have been dealt with. Through his wounding, our transgressions have been dealt with. Through his stripes, we have been healed. Salvation refers to healing of everything. The whole person. For you, like sheep, you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The closer we return to the Lord, the closer we return to one another. Healing, healing, healing. Healing of the whole man, the whole body. I don't disagree with the preachers on TV that say God wants to heal you emotionally. God wants to heal you socially. God wants to heal you financially. God wants to heal you spiritually. God wants to heal you physically. God wants to heal you psychologically. But He also wants to heal us corporately. Amen? There may be the season in life where you cannot fellowship with someone as close as you were because of the negativity or their fearfulness or their, their reluctance to, to not gossip. But we need to pray so that that person can come to a place of freedom from that stuff so that you can come back into close relationship. And finally, this is where all this healing is heading. The healing of the nations. Number 10, Revelation says the New Jerusalem has trees with leaves for the healing of of the nations. So this is why the cutting edge of God's healing power is out there in evangelism in the frontier. A young man who lives in another state used to come to church here years ago when we were in Country Love Theater. He made his first mission trip with um, Teen Mania to South America. Was it Peru? To Peru. While he was there, he was ministering in a village and the Lord impressed him to pray for a blind kid whose eyes were just white. No pupils, no nothing. And the Lord led him to take his bottle of water and pray for the kid and pour water on his eyes. And as he did it, pupils began to form and the kid began to see. That village will never be the same. So God's going somewhere with this. He's not just Santa Claus wanting little kids to be happy. He is building a kingdom that's going to be a blessing to the nations. But in doing it, His kingdom must have order, must have freedom, must have peace, must have wholeness. And we pray.
Lord Jesus, I thank You for Your Word. I pray, Lord, if if anything I've shared has been difficult to swallow, I pray, Lord, it would not be rejected, but, Lord, it would be considered and the Scriptures would be uh, searched. Lord, we want Your whole counsel on this subject. Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord, for those who are needing to be persistent in pursuing You for their healing. Lord, may You encourage them to not give up to continue asking You, Lord, until they are made whole. In Jesus' name. And now, Lord, as we partake of Your table, I ask right now, Lord, You would examine our hearts. Lord, if there's anything not right between us and another brother or another sister or even within our own family, Lord, show us so that we can go to them and make things right. In Jesus' name. Amen. Another avenue to healing is looking beyond yourself to the needs of others. And so in your bulletin is a prayer survey, a James 5.16 prayer strategy. The Lord gave Nyla Fisher this. And uh, she designed it for us and we put it in our bulletin. And in that, is a, is a, this is for those who are sick and needing healing. This could be an avenue to healing. And it is a place for you to fill out your name and address and telephone number and check off what your need is and turn this in. And the purpose of this is we will organize these surveys into groupings. And people suffering with the same physical need will be put in one grouping. And we will mail copies of all those surveys to each person in that group. And then the rest is up to you to contact those people, to see how they're doing, so that you can encourage them, so that you can minister to them. Because this is the avenue to healing. The Bible says when Job prayed for his friends, God restored everything he lost. And he had some annoying, he had some, he had some brilliant friends who absolutely condemned him. <laughs> this whole thing about being condemned when you're sick is not a new thing. They condemned him with wisdom. I mean, these guys, you read what they said, man. They condemned him with wisdom that was, they were brutal, brutal. And then God showed up and says, who is this that darkens counsel? Where were you when I spoke the stars into existence? Where were you when I started spinning the earth? Does the devil come to you begging for a covenant? Who do you think you are? And sets things right. And Job prays for his friends and restoration comes. And so in your own life, if all you think about is being healed, being healed, being healed, then that in itself needs to be healed. You see that? Because the enemy would have our sicknesses or our weaknesses make us be self-centered. So, so pursue healing by all means. Never stop asking for your healing. Unless God tells you, I've heard your cry, now just thank me. When you've heard the Spirit say that, then shift gears into thanksgiving. But don't let some preacher who told you, you've worked my formula now, now don't, you know, Stop asking now. No, the Bible says keep on asking. Be persistent about it. Until you hear the Lord, then then you can shift gears and just give thanks and not asking. Anyway, man, I'm getting way beyond what I need to be saying. Could I have some volunteers come forward to help share the Lord's table? So if you fill out those surveys, if you could come and bring them on the Lord's table and we will give you copies of people with similar challenges so that you all can pray for each other and apply the benefits of James 5.16. Lord, we just dedicate these elements to You. Lord, we ask that You would use them to 
reveal just how good you are to us. Thank you, Lord, that like this bread was made from wheat that was crushed and has been through the fire, Lord. So you were crushed for us, went through the fire of affliction for us so that we could be made whole. Heal our bodies and our relationships and use us, Lord, for the healing of the nations. And Lord, we thank you for the new covenant. That as, as the blood of grapes, which is wine, Lord, as these grapes were crushed, so you were crushed for our sins. And Lord, because of the shedding of blood, Lord, our sins have been remitted. Thank you, Lord. Use us to remit the sins of others. In Jesus' name, amen. When the elements of the Lord's table are distributed, I'm going to ask you to stand at that point, not right now, and form groups of three or four people. Get to know each other in that group. Look for somebody you don't know and include them in your group. This is a time not only to celebrate what He has done, but to celebrate what He has done. Amen? You're with redeemed people who've been redeemed by His blood, made, made whole by His broken body. And find out one another's name and, and then choose whoever y'all decide in your groups who's going to pray a prayer of thanks for the bread and who's going to pray a prayer, pray a prayer of thanks for the cup. After you pray thanks for the bread, take of the bread, thanks for the cup, take of the cup. And then pray for needs in that circle. Someone in that circle may need their relationships healed, they may need their body healed, they may need their finances healed. They may need wisdom to come. We celebrate open communion. It's time to reveal what Jesus did for us to people that may not know. So use this as a, as a tool of evangelism. If someone in your circle doesn't know the Lord, lead them to the Lord.